Good evening. Welcome to the, the Midnight, Midnight Blood, Blood Hour. Hour. We are your hosts, Will and Lady Irene. Hope you enjoy. Warning. The following podcast may contain explicit language, graphic discussions of death, sexual violence, and child abuse, which some may find offensive and may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, completely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, Night Owls, and welcome back. Now, I know we were supposed to release this episode a couple weeks ago. We are planning on releasing it the, the night before Mother's Day, but uh, we decided actually to take some mental health time. Uh, Mother's Day is a little bit hard for the both of us. Yes, it is, unfortunately. Well, especially with, with non, you know, passing, and then now my grandma passed, so... Yeah. Your grandma's was real recent, though, you know, real fresh. Yeah, back in January, so it, it was a little bit harder, so we're kind of both just trying to take care, I guess, of ourselves, mentalize, and prep to do this again. And then um, the other thing that we're, we've been talking about lately, too, is maybe kind of breaking up the episodes with the angel babies a little bit just because it is a lot on the research it's um kind of gets to you mentally as well reading about all these babies and how they suffered and kind of want to maybe add some cold cases in between some some i guess regular crime (laughs) and not so much baby yeah just it's nice to mix it up a little bit too you know yeah absolutely it does get a little overwhelming when it's like children, children, and children. And, you know, it's it not is. that, you know, we mean any disrespect by it or anything. It's just, you know, break it up a little bit and kind of give ourselves a break on that end. You know, it's kind of nice. Right. And uh, we know it's triggering for some people, too. So we know that there's some people that won't even touch the podcast because they don't want to hear about, about, you know, kids you know, being harmed, which I get. And that's yeah. the thing is we are trying to promote. So this way maybe less kids are harmed, but I get it is so triggering to some people that they just can't, they can't hear it. Yeah. They don't want to hear that subject matter, you know, and, you know, I can't say I blame them either. If it's, you know, sometimes well, it's a little close, close to, to home. home. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that being said, we do want to wish all the mamas, that mamas, pet mamas, grandmamas a happy Mother's Day, as well as those fathers that have to step into the motherly role. Yep. And because of our own, our own grandmas, we do want to wish, um, all the, the mamas or grandma, grandmamas that are no longer here with us a special Mother's Day as well. Yep, that is true. Happy Mother's Day, all. Now, um, anyways, uh, since we 
did make you guys wait. We are going to go ahead and we're going to try and get the Angel Baby series um, finished up as quickly as possible. Like I said, we will break it up with some other things. Um, but we're going to start with our next Angel Baby, which is Marco Cuhan. Now, this is another poor baby who only had five months of life. Now, in this case, it's a result of neglect rather than abuse. Marco's father had put him to sleep 10 hours earlier on a bed without rails and near a space heater in order to get warm and surrounded the baby with pillows. Now, I'll be the first to admit to having done this. Not the space heater part, but, you know, I, I did used to put Damien next to, or to sleep on the bed surrounded by pillows because um, that first time I had put him to sleep next to me without pillows, he had rolled and he fell off the bed and Oh, that was traumatizing for me. He was fine, you know, checked him, and I even called called Will completely crying. I was so upset. Yeah. Yeah, I was, oh, that was hard, oh. but he was fine. And I, from there on out, I made sure to surround the bed with pillows so that way that wouldn't happen again. So, again, I'll first admit, you know, I'm guilty of doing the pillow part. But um, when you start reading things like this, um, it's scary how you know that you do something that seems perfectly fine. And then you see something like this where a baby's died from it. It makes you think twice about some of the things that either you do or you've done in your past. Yeah, right. You know, what's the other thing I was thinking about we used to also do is remember we used to roll up the blanket also and put it like by, yeah. him, or by him, I should say. Yeah, and that's another thing, like, we used to prop up the bottle, you know, for him to drink, and a lot of, you know, I guess uh, babies have been choking from that. We used to keep an eye on him, though, too, but I guess they prop up the bottle, leave it there, and they end up choking from doing that. And that's, like, kind of like drowning for them, isn't it? Yeah, they end up choking because, because yeah. of the fact that, I guess, they're not being watched, and they, you know, can't completely continue to drink all of it. They're full or whatever. And they end up choking, and it's just it's amazing to see all the things that we used to do that now, obviously, 12 years later, has been found to be dangerous. Yeah, and I mean, the thing of it is, though, is you don't, honestly, when you're a new parent, it's nothing you think about, like, something like that, because it's something, you would never try to intentionally harm your child, of course, right. usually, most people don't, but, right. you know, something like that, like you said, you know, we popped the bottle, and we didn't think anything of it. It wasn't a no, big and deal. especially because that was what was taught to us from our parents. They did the exactly. same thing from us. So yeah. it's just a matter of kind of finding out, you know, what, I guess, what worked in the past still works now and isn't harmful versus yeah. what has found to start being harmful and kind of start paying attention to the science behind things. Yeah, and that's completely true. But the other thing is, too, like you said, we did keep an eye on him. Like yeah, constantly. we're... Yeah, we're huge on that. If we did, and we wouldn't like we wouldn't leave the room and leave him with the bottle. Exactly. You know. And in this particular case, that's exactly where things kind of went wrong. Um, Marco, the father, not not baby Marco, but the father Marco and Kimberly Chavez, the baby's mom, apparently they had both smoked marijuana and fell asleep on the couch. Now, at some point while they were sleeping, baby Marco came into contact with the space heater and burned to death. Yeah, 
This is where I have so many questions. I, I completely get confused at this point. Like, did they have the space heater on the bed? Because I thought the baby was on the bed surrounded by pillows. So how did the space heater get to baby Marco? Yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, again, this is one of those things that, like you said, there's there's a lot of questions, but not many answers. Yeah, it feels like they didn't, like, research this enough to find out exactly what happened. Like, did he roll off the bed? And that's how he came into contact with this heater? Mm-hmm. And then, um, just the, the how they found him alone. Um, apparently, his onesie and jumper were so burned, they were charred so you remember the little you know t-shirt onesie that we used to put on the baby and the the jumpers the little um pajamas that we would put on top is that the one that didn't have legs but it was like a t-shirt with snaps at the bottom yeah that was the onesie oh okay okay i got you i remember those and then the jumper was the little sleeping pajamas that we would put on him that had the little papas on the bottom mm-hmm. yeah, I remember and those. Apparently, both of them were completely sober and that they were, like, charred, almost melted in some places. Wow. Now, his autopsy report showed that there were severe burns streaked on parts of his face, his head, his chest, and abdomen, and including blackening of the skin. Plus, his right pinky was burned so bad and so deep that it exposed the bone. My gosh. Now, that to me sounds like the baby was so close to the heater to the point that he was sticking his fingers in the grate of the heater. That's exactly what it sounds like. And in that case, which I find it odd, is usually when you feel something that hot, your reaction is to pull back. Mm -hmm. I don't care how old you are. That's an automatic human reaction is to pull away. But yet the baby's finger was so burned in there, like maybe it got stuck in there. And the baby, like, seriously, it sounds to me more like they laid the baby, like, either right next to this heater, like, literally right next to the heater on purpose. Yeah, because, well, even that, like you said, you know, the onesie or the pajamas, how they were charred really bad. It almost begs the question, like, gee, I wonder if this child had, like, his body, his natural reaction or reflexes, whatever, kind of kicked in. And I've heard, I don't know that this is true, but when you're in an extreme amount of pain, like, you can pass out. Maybe. And that's you know, and the baby wasn't crying. I get that they smoke marijuana. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not huge on that. You know me. I'm not one who's really smoked that. Uh-huh. So I don't know the all of the... Um, side effects and how to react on it. I mean, uh-huh. you know more, obviously. Well, yeah. You used to used, smoke it all the time. I used to smoke it all the time, but at the same rate. No, I never had a... Granted, I wasn't a father at the time, okay? I'll give it that, but when I used... You know, there's plenty of times that I used to be an extremely heavy sleeper, and I still am, and you know that. I'm a yeah. very heavy sleeper. That's true. But... When Damien was born, I noticed that kind of faded away for a while when he was really small. And I'd wake yeah. up for li- the littlest noises, I would get up. I and just I couldn't imagine like a that. baby screaming in pain. I had, he had to have been crying yeah. and screaming in pain and nobody oh, yeah. waking up. I mean, literally Especially burning. parents. Yeah. 
see, that's what gets me. The parents didn't wake up. And usually, like I said, my sleeping, I was never a light sleeper, but I became a light sleeper. You yeah, know? and you did not a only, lot, yeah. Yeah, and there wasn't just one of them. It was two of them. Because right. if I damn sure didn't wake up, I know damn well you would have got up. Right. And then, I mean, you, you, the thing is, we've had space heaters before. Remember over there at the trailer, we right. had a space heater that we used to have right there, right next to the bed. So we know how hot these space heaters get. They yes. get pretty hot. But, uh-huh. again, it's one of those things... <sighs> The baby had to have been right, like literally up against this heater in order for him to be catch- like not catching on fire, I guess, but him completely melted because yeah. obviously it doesn't, from what I read, it doesn't sound like the trailer or wherever they're living burnt down or there was any fires or anything, just yeah. the baby. It's funny you say that. I was just thinking about that actually. And I was like, you know, it doesn't say anywhere about like the bedding was burnt. Not like, at nothing at all. about any of that, like you you just said it. I was just thinking it. There's no fire in this house at all, whatsoever, none. Like, each time we discuss this case, it seems like there's more, like, I end up having more questions every time we discuss this case, because it seems like there's little things that I catch every time that it's like, well, wait a minute, what about this? What about that? Exactly. How is all of this overlooked? I don't understand it. Well, remember, we were discussing it I I believe it was a couple of days ago. I mean, you talked about it, and I had asked you, remember how the court system kind of works with this kind of situation? That right, if you plead guilty to something or no contest or whatever, do they continue investigating, or at that point, do you think the district attorney just said, "Let's just call it a day. We got a guilty out of them. Let's move forward to sentencing." I and see, I'm not sure. I I'm thinking that that's maybe what happened. And, okay, Night Owls, I'm going to completely admit to what's going on here when it comes to us saying that we've discussed. We've actually recorded this episode for you guys two weeks, three different, first, fourth time recording it. Every single time we've recorded this episode, for some reason, it refuses to save. We'll go and everything's there on our app. And as soon as we hit save, not only does it not save, it erases the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we've actually had this discussion about these cases we're bringing up today several times, which is why I'm saying every time we discuss it, there's more questions. And this is why, because we start kind of having more realization every time we discuss it. Yeah, right. Well, you know well, what's I freaky about the first that? Recording, what? It's like if you're a real superstitious person. <laughs> yeah, I know, and we are, and that's the weird thing. We are, you know. And you think about it: the first time we recorded this, it was only a thirty-five-minute episode. The second yeah. time, it was forty-five minutes, and this last time, it was an hour episode. And it's because of how much we kind of um, have had the chance to consider different things on mm-hmm. these cases that we're like, wait a minute, what's going yeah. on with this part? <laughs> Yeah, we keep figuring out new things like, well, why this? Why that? I want to be a detective on this case at this point. (laughs) Well, like, really? I mean, if you think about it, though, like, how come there wasn't a more in-depth investigation? Or do you think maybe they're just not letting the cat out of the bag, per se, with the report, with everything? Right. And that seems to happen a lot with these cases here in New Mexico, because as we go through this... 
you're going to notice a lot of these cases, I'm going to say, I didn't find a whole lot. So, like, perfect example, the baby Brianna case, they literally had the case file online that I was able to go, you know, line item by line item. And I think that was because of how big it became, that it became nationwide coverage as to where these other cases, they maybe were able to sweep them under the rug. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I can't find anything on the on the case itself or what happened during the trial for these two. Yeah, because they, remember they even did that just recently with uh, that space shuttle. Remember that crashed in '86. There was stuff yeah. just released. What was it like a year ago when you were yeah. telling me what had happened? And they found more I mean, information on it. Yeah, they've had it this whole time, but. They didn't want to release it until just recently, like over 20 years afterwards. Right. The rest of it finally came out. Well, the rest of what we found with this anyways was pretty much that Marco, the father, 10 hours later, he woke up and found the baby on the morning um, of December in 2003. And both parents were sentenced to 10 years. So they're both out already, and Mm -hmm. there is a picture on the website New Mexico and Death showing him um, that he had recent when he recently went back to where the incident was, and Mm -hmm. him uh, holding a picture of himself with baby baby Marco asleep. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. As a matter of fact. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. And if you notice, like, it's a very short little paragraph about what happened. And then it goes on to some yeah. some other cases in New Mexico. Yeah, and it's mostly just about him, how he's still, you know, upset about what happened. And it's not as focused on what happened. Right. Which you know. I get. I mean, I'm sure he has a whole bunch of guilt. Hell, I hope he still has a bunch of guilt. Because I honestly think... Maybe it wasn't just neglect. I feel like maybe there was something about it that was abuse. Could be. But it's uh what do you call it? It's more of a puff piece almost, as much as I hate to say that. I don't know any other way to say it. You know, on that versus like, you know, it's very informative to what happened. It's not that kind yeah. of article really. It's just like a, a filler. Yeah, there you go. That's a good word for it. It's just a filler. Yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah, and the other thing I was kind of wondering on that, not to backtrack, but just, like, I I wonder what kind of space heater they did have. Like, maybe it didn't have some kind of, like, you know, any kind of warning on it or something. Like, hey, it's being, usually space heaters have, like, an alarm or an emergency shutoff of some kind, most of them. Yeah, well, well, on that one, it didn't even mention if it had actually, um, how would you say, tipped over for it to have an alarm. Yeah, because exactly like an alarm, because remember the one we used to have, it'd make that awful buzzing noise. Yeah, even if you touched it, it would make noise. And some of them, I know if you cover them like with a blanket or something, they shut off. Yeah. It's just poof, it shuts off. But I don't know that this one had any of that either. Like we were discussing, too, though, this was back in 2003. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And I know we tried to look to see when, what year it was that those um, features were mandated onto those. 
Yes. So at this point, we don't even know if that was something that was mandated at the time. Yeah. Um, I remember um, when I was back in high school, we used to have this space heater that we would use in the motorhome that we were in. Uh-huh. And that one didn't make a noise. Literally, my grandpa would tell you, do not touch this. Don't let it flip over because if it does, it will catch on fire. Mm. But yeah, that brings back into full circle again. Nothing caught on fire, just the baby melted. Right. And the other thing is, you never know. It could have been a, you know, hand me down Hebrew from their parents that true. they had in Very the closet true. for 10 years, you know? I mean, we yeah, that know. could have been outdated. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, hey, do you guys have a space heater recabar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here you go. How many right. times has that happened to you and me? Where you're yep. at your mom's or you're somebody's house and, you know, your mom's like, oh, I have one you guys could use. Exactly. You know? So our next angel baby is Sierra Browning. Her father, Michael Browning, and again, this is one of those ones I have almost next to nothing with this case, but I do want to bring her name into this to kind of make focus that this is another another incident of what has happened here in New Mexico. Her father, Michael Browning, was convicted of child abuse resulting in death after throwing her to the floor when he lost his temper. Her autopsy showed she had suffered head injuries and brain hemorrhaging. She was only five months old when she died in 2004, and Michael Browning received 18 years. And what's sad is that's all there is on her. Yeah. You know, this poor baby, five months old, and her life has been reduced to one tiny paragraph. And I just feel like these babies, they need voices. They need voices so that way we could prevent this from hopefully happening again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very awful thing. It is. Now, um, the next angel baby is Uriah Vasquez Ordonez. Now, the way this poor baby's body was found was horrific. His body was sent to the medical investigator's office in 19 brown paper bags plus a Tupperware container. Now, yeah, these bags contain 65 pieces of his skull, nine tooth fragments, 15 pieces of vertebral bones, 46 rib fragments, and 29 pieces of bone from his arms and legs. Jesus. Yeah. I don't, I'm almost speechless with that. Yeah. And wow. this was all found where Freddy Ordonez, his father, burned baby Uriah in the desert near Oñape High School. Now, the father confessed that while the baby's mother was at work, Uriah refused to eat. So Freddy cuffed him on the head and picked him up by the ears and threw him onto a couch. Yeah. Now, Freddie stated he never believed that Uriah was his because of how quickly the mother got pregnant when he got out of prison. Mm -hmm. Because 
you know, there's no way it could be his just because she got pregnant right away, which is a whole nother situation. I mean, there's girls that they lose their virginity and end up pregnant the first time. I've heard of that happening. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that happens. But he's convinced that because of that, that's not his. And even if it wasn't, then maybe he shouldn't have a relationship with her and just leave, not, you know, abuse the baby. It's by no means the baby's fault if that was what was really going on. Yeah. Yeah, because... I mean, at that, it's not even the baby's fault at that even. No. It's an innocent child that didn't ask to be brought into this world in any way, shape, or form. Right, and to take it out on the baby, that's just, just horrific. Yeah, because that's, that's just awful. Now, when um, the mother got a phone call from Freddie that something was wrong, she came home, and she found Uriah limp, that his eyes weren't focusing on anything. Bruises covered his ears and neck. A scrape ran up one of his legs, and a bump rose from the back of his head. She said that he couldn't hold himself up, and he threw up all night. Cecilia Vasquez, who's the mother, had wanted to take Uriah to the doctor, but Freddie refused, reminding her that in a previous visit to the doctor... The doctor had stated vomiting was simply a symptom of a virus that needed to run its course. So this was the excuse he came up with to convince her not to go to the doctor. Well, you know what's funny about that, though? I've heard of like people when they have a severe head injury, they actually start throwing up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not, I mean, that's easy to say, oh, it's from an infection. And he damn well knew that it was because of what he did. But right away, he had to find some reason, some excuse to blame the throwing up on something else. So that way, he wouldn't get caught right away from the doctor. Yeah, pretty much. The sad thing is it um, worked. Right, it did. Because that Thursday, Cecilia thought that Uriah was getting better and she went back to work just to get another phone call from Freddie, stating that Uriah was now twitching. When she got back home, he was giving the baby CPR. And she tried again to get him to call 911, but he refused, because at this point, he didn't want all the bruises to get them in trouble. Yeah. Uh, You think? Yeah, at that point right there, though, like, Come on. If this child, why is this child full of bruises? If exactly. nothing's going on. I've never gotten any bruises from an infection or anything I've ever had. Right? How about you? No, never. I mean, I never and you have. know me. I bruise easily from everything because I'm the walking, I don't know you, what you want to call me. I'm always sitting there bumping into stuff and everything yeah, else because you know me. You do bruise but easily, though. Bru- I know, but never, ever, ever from a stomach infection or from a viral infection, never from that. Exactly, and, like, the mom just actually is, like, <laughs> why, she never questioned why this kid's bruised? Apparently not, it doesn't say, you know. and I'm, I'm thinking that she probably knew, because I guarantee you this wasn't the first time 
So you think but she knew she, what's been going on? Well, I think this whole thing, and, and you'll see the, here in a moment, she probably knew what was going on, but she was probably scared to say anything. Very because, true. Very true. Uh, when she went herself to call Freddie, or when she, uh-huh. I'm sorry, when she went herself to call, Freddie hid the phone. And then later, investigators would find out from Cecilia's boss that Freddie would also abuse her. So I guarantee she knew what was going on. She knew exactly what was going on. But when somebody has so much control over you like that, you kind of get into this fear where you know if you say anything... It's going to make it worse for yourself. It probably would make it worse for the baby. And at this point, she knew better than... She probably just figured shutting up was better for her. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if she's in an abusive relationship like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, guaranteed, he probably just had her so scared. But... Now... Yeah, yeah, at some point, you got to say something, and I get it. But at the same time... I'm not going to be the type of person that's going to be like, oh, well, I would have done this because you never know what you're going to do when you're in in any type of situation. You can say, you know, how you would react or how you hope you would react. But when it comes down to it, it's going to be different. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing, the cliche that always comes in my head when you say that statement is people say, oh, I'd do anything for my kids. I'd die for my kids. You know, and. There's some people that will, but then at some point it's like, who knows how bad she could have been yeah. mentally and physically abused at this point. Exactly. Because same you know? thing, I would say, you know, when it comes to Damien, i do anything for him. I would die for him. But if I were in a situation, I don't know exactly how I'm going to react. What if I, un- like, do the opposite, not meaning to, or, you know, I just, I can't say. I know how I would want to react. Yeah. But, I mean, like but, you said, we don't know how she's being abused because, for all we know, he could have abused her and then she could have known that she was going to get beaten to a pulp and not be able to help. And then he yeah. started abusing the child right in front of her. Right. I mean, She we didn't don't know. know how much worse. Maybe he could have yeah. been torturing them and she, he threatened her that he would do even worse. We, we just don't know. We weren't yeah. there. He said, I'm going to beat you and then afterwards I'm going to get a hold of the child right in front of you. So she right. didn't want nothing bad to happen to the baby anymore. Then what would happen? Exactly. Exactly. And um, Uriah, he ended up, he died in July of 2004. His body wasn't found until August. Freddie Ordonez, he received 36 years. Our next angel baby is Alondra. I know I'm not going to say this right, and I have the hardest time saying it. Alondra Zizumbo. Zizumba. Zizumbo. Zizumbo, yeah. Zizumbo. Her autopsy showed two separate major episodes of trauma. One was between three to four days old, which included a bruised abdomen and a ruptured pancreas, which could only be caused by blunt force trauma. And the second was a skull fracture. Now, Angelica, the baby's mom, claimed that the baby was throwing up in the bathtub. And when she went to go pick her up, that Alondra slipped and fell from her hands, striking Mm. the edge of the bathtub on her left side and lost consciousness. 
The wow. ER visit did show that there was bruises on her left arm, on her buttock, and her left side of the face. But that when baby Alondra arrived to the hospital, she was completely dry and in dirty clothes. Not at all like she had been in the bathtub. Wow. So this is another case. There wasn't a whole lot. We really don't know um, what exactly happened. Um, I don't know if it was one of those... um, neglect type situations where she was charged because it didn't like I said it didn't have a whole lot but Angelica did receive 10 years after baby Alondra died in, on September 6, 2004. Our next angel baby in our series is Diana Eurytia Eurytia and I'm probably not pronouncing that right Quinones Quinones she died at only five weeks old. I found a, a lot of different things on her. Now, one said that she was shaken and squeezed by her father, while another article I read stated that he confessed to breaking her ribs, legs, and skulls. Yeah. Those injuries um, caused a deadly brain hemorrhage, and she died four days later. Her father, Eliza's trial, had him mm-hmm. stating that he was changing her diaper after feeding her when he noticed that she was unresponsive and not breathing. It was later verified that she fell victim to shaken baby syndrome, while Eliza's first trial resulted in mistrial. The second, thankfully, he was convicted on three counts of intentional child abuse and got 27 years in prison plus two years of parole. Wow. His convictions, again, thankfully, were upheld during appeal and is set to be deported when he gets out. Baby Diana sadly passed in January of 2005. Oh, poor things. It's, it's just, you know what the sad part is? This list, it just continues to grow. Yeah. That's the really bad part of it. It doesn't get any smaller. No. In fact, when I first started out the Angel Baby series, I had a whole list of the babies I wanted to do. And right before started getting started on the, the second um, part, mm-hmm. I ended up finding about four or five more babies I had to add to the list. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like This list just it continues to grow. It does. And that's why... Along with a lot of other things, child abuse resulting in death, well, child abuse in general, plus child abuse resulting in death is something that we do need to try and bring awareness here in New Mexico because it is so bad for New Mexico to be second in the nation for violent crimes, yet it seems like it's not talked of enough. We hear about things that are constantly happening in California, in New York, in Florida, you name it, but... For us being second in the nation, Alaska being first, us second in the nation for violent crimes, yet New Mexico isn't all over the news. In fact, when you even mention New Mexico to most people, they don't even know it's a state. No, especially like back east and stuff. 
yeah, they don't know it's part of the United States. In fact, oh. me working in call centers, I would always get, oh, wow, you speak English really, really well. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the only language I know. Right? <laughs> Isn't that about the truth, though? It's amazing how many people don't know that New Mexico is a part of the United States. Right? And what's sad is some people that do know New Mexico, Albuquerque, know of it from one either Bugs Bunny should have made that left turn in Albuquerque mm-hmm. or from um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Well, then the bad thing of it is, is you know, you said we're number two, correct? Right. What's scary is we're not that big of a city. No. Like, if you really compare us to if you look at New Mexico, yes, Albuquerque is the biggest city. But if you right. compare it to, like, you know, Texas or anywhere else, because, like, that, Houston's a lot bigger than Albuquerque. California right. has several cities that are much larger than Albuquerque. But yet we managed to be number two. Well, and that's the number two in the state, not as a city, but oh. as a state. But yeah. even so, you got to think about it. We don't have a lot of major cities here anyway. So no. our population here compared to most places isn't Whoa. like it's huge. No, that's what I meant by saying like Houston and these other places. Yeah. They have really big cities. And New Mexico, Albuquerque's not very big. I know and... a lot of these seem to happen in Las Cruces, but yeah. even at that it's not a big it's not the biggest city ever. <laughs> no, Las Cruces or... is a very small city. Very small and it... city. And it seems like a lot of these are happening more in the towns that are kind of quiet, quiet, which makes you wonder if maybe their law enforcement is sweeping it under the rug on purpose for a reason. Well, it could be that, or it could just be, you know, that it's not even, a lot of it's not even being reported until it's too late. Yeah, exactly. You know, they have that mindset that, oh, you better not, don't call the cops, you know, that every time you have to deal with the law, it's for a negative thing. And I notice a lot of families over here are like that. Um, yeah. You don't call the cops on family. You don't report family. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much. You're my family. You better damn well believe I'll report you. I don't care. Well, yeah, because it's like that whole taboo that it's always bad. If you have yeah. to call the cops, it's, you're, you're doing the wrong thing almost. Like if you call right. the cops, you're in the wrong one. Exactly. Kind of and mindset. all of a sudden, the entire family will turn against you for reporting your family and that mm-hmm. is something that needs to be completely erased from the mindset over here of the families. Because you know what? If you're calling the cops, it's for a reason. Uh-huh. It's because something bad is going on. Instead of sitting there and getting mad at the victim, why isn't the, the perpetrator being shunned from the family? Right. And I mean, the thing of it is, if you didn't want to call the cops, how come somebody in the family isn't doing something about it? Yeah, Exactly. I mean, if you're that concerned that, oh, I won't call the cops, this and that, well, why aren't you doing something about it then? And they don't. They will, and it's not even the cops, because, you know, especially nowadays, there is a huge stigma of calling the cops with yeah. how they've been reacting. And it's been a problem over here, too, where we've had yeah. cops respond and, and not do things the appropriate way. They kind of take their authority to their head. So I kind of do get that in a way. But why aren't you trying to get a hold of somebody? CYSD, 
anybody, anybody. To somebody. There's so many resources that you don't have to call the cops specifically, but there are plenty of resources you can reach out in order to get help. That is correct. You're 100% correct. As a matter of fact, at the end of this year, I do got some information, uh, phone number stuff we can give out, you know, let me get that real quick before I do forget. So, you know, if you do know any children who are in trouble here in New Mexico, you know, you can help them, you know, just even as simply as by filing a report with the CYFD hotline. And this is like you were saying, it's not exactly calling the cops, but the CYFD, they will step up and start getting the ball rolling and something done. And you can reach them. Yeah, you can reach them at 1-855-333-7233. And you always do have the right to, you know, remain anonymous. You don't have to give them your name, any information like that whatsoever. Absolutely. And that is 1-855-333-SAFE. Or you can also, from a cell phone, just dial pound, S-A-F-E, from your cell phone, and it'll take you directly there for... Those that are too young and don't know what pound is, it's the hashtag button on your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that I forget a lot of people. You guys think hashtag S-A-F-E, and you dial that on your phone, and it'll it'll take you directly to CYFG report line. Well, exactly. I forgot a lot of people don't know that is a pound sign. <laughs> I know, and that shows our age. <laughs> well, what's funny about that is I remember I didn't know what hashtag was for a while. I was I like, know, where do you guys get this hashtag from? And like, oh, right. it's this. How's all the pound sign? Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, why didn't you just say that? Like, okay, right. I know what that is now. I didn't know it's hashtag, though. I have no idea. And and we will give that information at the end again, just in case you guys didn't get it. Yep. But um, our next angel baby is Kaylin Flores. This little angel was only four months old when her own father decided to place her in a laundry basket of unfolded clothes around 11 p.m. on December 5th so that he could go out to the store to purchase beer. That's important. Right? And that's another problem that we have here in New Mexico that's really huge. Um, For some reason, people think that um, because it's a, a legal substance that they actually don't really have a problem with it. But when your main priority is to neglect your child because you need your beer, then that is a problem. Yeah, definitely. And there are so many parents here that find any excuse to leave their kids with others. We unfortunately know many that are like this, where... They're like, hey, we need to go to the store, so let's pawn the kid off. Or, hey, let's go to dinner and pawn the kid off. Or, hey, I need to do laundry. Let's pawn the kid off. Yeah. And, I mean, I get it. Sometimes it's not the easiest thing in the world to take them with you. But, you know what? It's also not the most difficult thing because if they're used to going, they don't – it's kind of out of their system, and they don't go crazy when they get there, you know? They know how to act. Exactly. Exactly. And they do. They wonder why they have kids who misbehave in public, because instead of taking them to do errands, they go and they pawn them off. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, taking them with you, they teach them how to act in public rather than pawn them off. They, you know, you you show them, you know, it's not right to be running down the aisles. You're not supposed to be screaming. 
You're supposed to, you know, yeah, I get it. They're kids. But at the same time, you're teaching them how to be proper human beings as they grow into adulthood. There's places for them to sit there and scream and run around. There's playgrounds. There's, you know, their rooms at home. But teach them how to be, you know, how would you say, just teach them how to act in public. Yeah. The thing is, is a perfect example. We used to love taking Damien with us everywhere, technically, but especially to go eat to dinner. Now, there's another stigma where, you know, people get grumpy when they go out to dinner, like to a nice dinner, to a steakhouse, things like that. And they see that there is a family that brought their child. We were one of those families that had our child with us. The difference being is our child has always acted more adult than child when he's in public, I should say. Yes. He would literally, you know, you, you'd come and you'd have your, your waiter come up to you, waitress, you know. They would come up to you, the server, and they ask you what you want. Well, they would always look at me when they would ask what, you know, to order for my child. And the first thing I would do is I'd look at Damien and i tell him, well, Damien, what do you want? And he would look at the server and he would say, I want a bloody steak. <laughs> and the server would crack up laughing and he'd look at me and he's like, well done, right? I'm like, no, he literally wants a bloody steak. And then the yep. server again would look at me, okay, well, what does he want for the side? And I would look at Damien. And this is, he isn't telling you, he's like three, four years old at this time. He's not like he's older. He's three, four years old. He would tell yeah. me, oh, I want mashed potatoes. I want this. I want that. Because he would go over the menu and decide exactly what he wanted so he could let the server know. Because for him, that was something that was exciting. That was a big deal. He felt like an adult. He got to exactly. order his own food. Exactly. Know? He would be so excited to do that. And it's just mm-hmm. little things like that, you know, that, that bring excitement without them having to act out and be, you know, screaming. At the same time, they're like, hey, I'm getting to do what mommy and daddy do. Well, and they see that and they get excited and they learn how to act in public. It's just something that's really simple that most I know I notice a lot of people don't do anymore. And yeah, it's, it's sad because, you know, kids at some point need to learn how to grow up. And if we don't teach them, who's going to? Good question. <laughs> exactly, who's going to? And I get it. You know, there are some times that you want to go get a sitter because you do want some, let's say, one-on-one time date night. There's certain things. Yeah, I get it. You know, you go to work. But there's no need in always pawning your kid off. And that's what I'm talking about. The, the people that I know specifically would always pawn them off. And I mean for everything. It was more like they, yeah. they just literally didn't want their kid around them ever. Yeah, it could sure come off that way. That's for sure. Absolutely. You don't need to drop them off every time you go do something. And it's not yeah, to say that they, you don't. They might want to actually go. Right. And <laughs> these people that me. we know of, they would just start taking advantage. Advantage. And with that being said, yet still these people that we know would still at the very least get someone to actually watch their kid and not just shove them away in a closet and a basket of laundry. Yeah, you know what? That's one thing. They may have, you know, like you said, dropped them off a lot, but they made sure they left them with somebody competent at least. Exactly. Not just any old person. 
Right. Or somebody, period, not just a laundry basket. Yeah. So this father, Robert Flores, comes back home. And instead of checking on baby Kaylin, he decides to drink his beer and watch movies. What a it guy. was hours later when he found baby Kaylin dead in the laundry basket. He turned himself in on December 7th. A medical examiner found that she had died of asphyxia, so suffocation from being deprived of oxygen, probably because a four-month-old baby can't just move clothes out of her face if she can't breathe. Yeah, that's true. And, um... And that's just awful to think about. Imagine suffocating like that. Yeah, there's something, and you know if you could just move, yeah, right? Just, you could breathe, and you can't. I mean, something so simple as throwing a shirt on top of them. Yeah. Like, that's just... And I know it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, per se. But, I mean, realistically, think about it. Who would want to be suffocated? That's an awful thing. Right. And especially when it comes to babies. And I know we've discussed this, you know, in the past recordings. Um, when they suggest having, you know, the baby's crib, they suggest having absolutely, you know, nothing that's loose. Like, no blankets that are loose or, you know, um, any t- type of um, stuffed animals in the crib. Things like that because of the fact that that can easily cause what's called um, sudden infant death syndrome. Uh-huh. You know, we don't want anything constricting where they could, you know, get into that it'll stop their breathing or something that they could grab and choke on. We don't want, and it's just a way of being able to prevent SIDS. And I mean, I remember even you would wake up in the middle of the night, not even hearing the baby, just something that you would do. And you, I remember waking up and watching, opening my eyes, and I would see you watching Damien to see if he was breathing. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of times, even if, like you said, I didn't get it because I heard something, I'd, I'd just go walk by and make sure everything was okay. That's all. For my own yeah. peace of mind. Because there's no way I could go lay back down and be like, Okay, go back to sleep. And I was to wake up in the morning to something like that. I'm like, oh, my God. If I just taken five more seconds, right. this would happen. Right. And much less go and watch movies, drink, drink beer, beer, completely <laughs> ignore the fact that you left your kid in an unfolded laundry basket, pile of laundry in a laundry basket where there's so much constriction that your yes. baby ends up dying because you can't breathe. And not even that, you know it as well as I do. When kids are quiet, usually they're, something's wrong or they're right. up to no good. Right. And they, you know, if they're two, three years old, this is much older, obviously, and you hear them in the next room and then all of a sudden they're quiet for 20, 30 minutes, you better go in that room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You better go in there. Because you're going to find markers written on the floor or something. Yeah. You're going to find something. We've had, we've had that before, markers on the floor. <laughs> yeah, because what happened? He got quiet. And he yep. was in there just going to town on the floor with crayons and markers. And then he looks at you like you did something wrong. Right. <laughs> he looks at Let you like, tell what? You, that was fun to clean up. Ugh. Yeah. But especially, like you said, when they're baby, baby like that. Like, I maybe you could call me paranoid. But I was always worried about stuff like that. 
Constantly. Yeah, absolutely. Constantly. And, well, Robert Flores, he was convicted of reckless child abuse resulting in death on February 7th, 2013. And he was sentenced on April 23rd, 2013 to 18 years in prison. Now, this was more than five years after the baby's death. Oh, wow. And because of all the delays, in this case, it kept getting postponed by over 36 months. This led to Robert's conviction getting overturned by the appellate court in 2015 after they found Robert's right to a speedy trial had been violated. Oh, now, I know it's funny because I see people online all the time sitting there asking, like, there's a, there's a current case going on here in New Mexico, and I will, I'll discuss that at a later time. It's one of our angel babies. And they're like, I don't understand why this guy is getting, why, why they're worried about this guy getting a fair trial because he's wanting to do a change of venue. And the first mm-hmm. thing that I try to make sure to let them know, and then I will, I'll, I'll comment on this online. And I will let them know because it's better for them to dot all the I's and cross the T's and make sure that everything is followed in the case letter by letter. Because if you don't give them the right to the fair trial, this is what happens. All they have to do is turn around, go file an appeal because their rights were taken from them. And guess what? They end up getting off scot-free, which we don't want. Yeah, it sucks to have to see them, you know, argue that they want their fair trial or, you know, have your feelings of, oh, they shouldn't get fair or whatever. But when it comes down to it, we have to remember that we are innocent and until proven guilty, which means up until we get that sentencing of proven guilty, it's better to follow everything by the letter. So that way, once, you know, once the person's proven guilty and that sentencing comes down, it's locked in tight. There's no questions that anything went wrong up until that point. Yep, that's exactly right. Because like you said, if you don't get it done right the first, the first time, like you said, it could be a little bit more timely. But how much more time is it going to waste by the, like you said, this guy here went the appeals and all that stuff. And you know what? It worked out in his favor. Exactly. You know, so the state wasted all this money, all these resources for nothing. And for worse, he went and he even confessed. Yeah, for worse. And still got off. And there wasn't anything they could do about it. And they could never yeah. bring them up on this charge again. It's exactly. Gone. All because they couldn't bother to make sure he had his right to a speedy trial. He confessed exactly. and still got off. What? Maybe I'm the only one here listening. Doesn't understand. Exactly. What is a speedy trial? Could you? So it's you your know, right like... to be able to go and instead of them postponing and postponing and postponing, you know, for their convenience. It's your uh-huh. right to be able to go, especially after doing something like confessing, you know, getting it over and done with, get your sentencing, starting your sentencing so you could get on with your life, if, yeah. you know, depending upon how, how bad what the conviction is. But yeah, yeah, it's your right to not have to sit and wonder 
what's going to happen to you. Yeah, yeah, right, just to get it over with. Right. Now, now wonder... there's some people that don't, you know, that aren't concerned about the right to a speedy trial because they want, you know, things more investigated or whatever. But this guy, specific, you know, specifically, he confessed. He just wanted it to be over and done with. And apparently, they had kept filing motions for his right to a speedy trial over and over again just for everything to still be postponed. So they should have, honestly, it's one of those things that the prosecutors should have saw this coming, considering the fact that they were already filing for a right to a speedy trial. Yeah. Yeah, he confessed, but they're already filing for a right to a speedy trial. So when years later they finally get what they want, they get the conviction, they're like, oh, well, you know what? You're right. I confessed, but I kept telling you I wanted to get this over and done with. And since you didn't get it over and done with, I don't got to serve time no more. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm kind of wondering maybe that's what happened in like those earlier instances we were talking about, like with Marco, I believe his name was. And maybe that's kind of why the investigation just kind of stalled out and maybe they just got it over with. Yeah, and like, it could be. They decided they got the not 10 to. Years. Right, yeah. where they decided not to investigate any further. Yeah, you know, but we don't. I believe that there should be a happy medium. There should be a way for you to do whatever investigation you need to do without having to go years down the road. You know, it has to be a happy medium. Get enough investigation to make sure. Right. This is the only thing that happened according to what they said. So that way you could move on to the trial process mm-hmm. versus, you know, postponing for years on end. Yeah. Yeah, but like you said, the happy media part, I mean, they should, if that's the case and they're going to, you know, admit to guilt and all that stuff. Well, then, you know what? As long as all the questions the investigators have are answered, this is what happened. Okay, this all jives and makes sense. Let's get it done. And I think that's where that part comes in, exactly what you just said. So long as all the questions are answered, and as you notice in those other cases, especially the first one. Yeah, they're very unclear. There's so many questions that aren't answered. Uh Uh-huh. And again, maybe they were answered, and again, it was just swept under the rug, so there's no information on it. But... I don't know. I, I find that hard to believe considering the fact that there's other cases, again, like baby Brianna, that I can see exactly what was discussed in the trial notes because I could find the case online. Yeah. That one, just, you can't even find it. I just kind of wonder, like, are some of these cases, like, they're just giving, when you look it up, like, you're getting so much information, but you're not getting to see the whole thing. You know, there's a big chunk of it that we, the public, for some reason, aren't able to ex- access and actually well, look at. The thing is, is the, the cases are public at that point. You, these, this is something public that you should be able to find. And uh-huh. I'm sure I probably, if I were to dig further and go, and um, there's actually specific websites that you can purchase to have a subscription to, to be able to access the, the court system. Uh-huh. I'm sure I'd be able to go in there and specifically find the case. But I don't have access to that. I'm not a member well, that, of the court or a lawyer or anything to be able to, yeah, to have we're not, that. We're not investigators. That or, And the other thing is, that I technically, I could even go to the courthouse if I really, really wanted to. 
mm-hmm. and pay the court fee in order to have them give me the the case because again it's it's public information but obviously we're like a small little podcast so I haven't really looked into things like that yet yeah <laughs> but, but when even it comes to that... finding it fast online David Brianna's case is fast online available for the public no questions asked no having to pay for anything as to where these other cases literally I find little one paragraphs and that's it yeah well I mean going to the courthouse now that's I couldn't really see us doing that. Cause, I mean, what are we going to do with all these boxes? You know, we end up with boxes everywhere. I um, mean, maybe eventually <laughs> down the line, maybe. I mean, you know how I feel about when it comes to, you know, law anyway, but. Yeah. At this I mean, point in the game. <laughs> we're still yet. trying to get our feet wet at this point. You know? Yeah, we're still trying to get our bearings. You know, we're still learning a lot as we go now. You right. Know, that's why this one, we this is the first time we've done this one. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping it goes good. <laughs> yeah, if it gets deleted again, that's really not going to be. I'm not going to be real thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I will be so upset. Yeah, now that you. being said, our last angel baby for tonight is Daniel Medina. This angel was only six months old when he died by the hands of his 22-year-old step granddad. <laughs> okay. That's a new one. Yeah. The medical report showed head injuries, and the step-granddad, Alfredo Luis de Villa, was indicted for intentional child abuse, resulting in death. According to court documents, Alfredo was left to watch the baby while his 38-year-old wife and stepdaughter went shopping. So... 22 years old, and he married a 38-year-old woman who had a grandchild. That's why we're talking about a 22-year-old step-grandfather. It's just, wording it that way is just like, what? Like, you gotta kind of take a step back and analyze that for a second when you hear it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, because it's like, am I watching Jerry Springer? No. (laughs) You know, that's like a title they would use. Absolutely, yeah. It catches your attention so quick. You're like, hold on. Very quick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now, um, he stated he was in the kitchen when he heard the baby fall, who was in the master bedroom at the time. He said the baby cried for a short time and then became unresponsive. And when he couldn't wake the or when he couldn't wake baby Daniel, he called nine one one. Later, he stated he was responsible for the baby's injuries because he had fallen off the bed twice and had struck his head on a side table while in his care. Now, Alfredo fled before he could be tried, and everything I've read states he is still a wanted fugitive. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yep, so... So the step-grandfather is still wanted. Yep, as far as I've seen, he's still wanted, and poor baby Daniel has not been had any sort of justice. Yeah, there's been no justice for that child whatsoever. And right. my next question would be is was he uh is he an actual citizen like of the United States or this didn't say didn't or didn't was he like uh, or not. I don't know how you'd word that. Was I guess was he born here or did he become a citizen here? It didn't say. It didn't say if he was if, if he was actually like 
a citizen or if he was um, an Im- immigrant or a legal immigrant. Yeah. He didn't say any of that. I guess, yeah, because you, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have ties to his home country where he could have just upped it. Oof, he's gone now. <laughs> I'm assuming, and I mean, again, it, it could be a couple of different things here. He might not have been, and that's why he married a 38-year-old grandma. I'm not yeah. one to say, because we've had, you know, that happen in our family where somebody married somebody else. Yeah, so get papers. Yeah, because they wanted their boyfriend to get papers. Yes. Which we thought was very, very odd considering the age difference. Yeah, right. But I don't know. It, it, it really didn't say. That's all it said on it was a, a pretty much that a 22-year-old step-granddad was convicted of killing his step-grandchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. And, yeah. That's just craziness all around, I guess you could say. <laughs> Yes. I mean, just the way that whole thing starts off, it's like, whoa, 22-year-old step-grandfather, whoa. Yeah, you got to step <laughs> back and start thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to think, how did this situation come about? Like, in my head, I'm trying to process it, you know? Yeah, I mean, once you hear, you know, that you know that he married an it's... older woman who has a yes. grandchild and a step, a, a child and a grandchild, then you kind of, you're like, okay, well, he's not just a stepdad, but at that point, a step-granddad. Yeah, then it comes together. Yeah, and <laughs> I guess it's probably first... because, like, in our family, um, granted, obviously, your mom isn't married to him, but her, her boyfriend, our son considers his, his papa. Yeah. And that's just it. There's no step-granddad. It's just papa. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird name. It is because even usually, like, the only time you really hear the word step is like if it's a sister or a brother. Or dad, yeah. Stepdad, stepsister. What, you don't you hear usually get into the extended family for it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's weird because even when you hear stepdad, like, if the child calls that person dad, he doesn't say, hey, stepdad. It's yeah. Just dad. That's what I meant by, like, oh, that's my stepsister, that's my stepbrother. Yeah, you know I, mean? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's very odd just to hear it that way. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> Absolutely. So we still have several angel babies to go. And like I mentioned before, I actually think this could easily be a five to six part series. And the research on this is getting emotionally exhausting. And so to keep our minds fresh, our next episode will be a cold case here in New Mexico. Um, before we come back to the next part in the Angel Baby series. Um, I actually want to see if there's any way I can get the next episode on the cold case out here within the next couple days. I'm not going to make you guys wait a full week just because um, we already made you two weeks for, wait two weeks for this episode. Um, so I'm definitely going to see about getting this cold case up and running um, within the next couple days. If there are any New Mexico cases that anyone wants to hear, please reach out to us at midnight13blood at gmail.com. You can follow us on TikTok at midnightbloodhour, on Instagram at midnight underscore blood underscore hour, or on Facebook at midnightbloodhour. Now, again, if you have 
anything that needs to be reported because you don't want, you know, anything happening to a child that you know is being abused, you definitely want to go ahead and reach out to CYFD. And, you know, let me go ahead and give you guys that number one more time. And this is going to be the number for CYFD here in New Mexico. It's going to be one 333 7233 And, again, that's for the CYFD hotline. And you can always, again, you can always remain anonymous on this. Absolutely. That's 855-333-SAFE or... Pound S-A-F-E from a cell phone. Again, for those who don't know what a pound button is, hashtag S-A-F-E from a cell phone. Yep. And that's all we have for you tonight, guys. I'd like to tell you guys good night and hope you hear us next time. Yep. You guys all have a good evening. We do appreciate you listening. All right. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.